Hello and welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. So we are fresh off less than a week from the uh, recent Supreme Court decision that essentially overturned Roe v. Wade. And so abortion is a very, very hot topic. Uh, it's hard to say that it could be hotter than it normally is. It's a hot topic all the time. Uh, but uh, there's a story that, that occurred a, a number of years ago, and on our side, the pro-life side, the issue has never gone away, although the pro-abortion side would love for it to go away, and that is the story of Kermit Gosnell. I am joined today with Anne McElhenney, and she is here. She's a filmmaker, a journalist, and a podcaster, and is responsible for a lot of great information on this case and others that we're going to talk about. So, Anne, thanks for being here. No, it's great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so so you've done a lot of things with the Kermit uh, Gosnell case. So we'll talk about the book. We'll talk about the movie. We'll talk about some other things you're doing, the podcast in which you talk about this. Uh, for those that may not be familiar with, uh, for those that only watch CNN and, and the like and don't know, like Kermit Gosnell, who's who's this guy? Explain the the uh, sort of 50,000 foot level of him, and then we'll get into more of the details in a second. So Kermit Gosnell uh, ran an, an abortion clinic in West Philadelphia for about 40 years. Um, he also signed and sold uh, prescription uh, drugs you know, so basically opioids. So he was one of the biggest opioid dealers in Pennsylvania. And in fact, he came to the attention of the police because of this work that he was doing, selling selling drugs to drug dealers. Um, and when they investigated and they eventually raided his clinic, the first thing that hit them was this wall, like a wall of smell, a smell of death. And these were very, very experienced cops, seen it all. They'd never come across a place like this. They go into a medical facility. There's cats walking around and uh, the procedure rooms. The doctor himself has done a procedure. His bloody gloves are torn and he can, he he proceeds to eat salmon teriyaki. Um, and that's kind of the beginning of it. You know, he's employing people. So when they go into the to raid the clinic, they realize that the people who are posing as nurses are untrained staff with a you know a sixth grade education barely literate and these are the people who are giving people anesthesia and also they make more gruesome discoveries they find in the in the basement of this filthy house of horrors as they described it pile upon pile upon pile of dead bodies of babies that he's been storing and then worse than that they find a cabinet where he has cut the feet off the babies and he's storing them in little jars. Um, and it that and that begins an extraordinary journey for the investigators to discover like what exactly was going on here? What is this guy up to? Um, and that took them to a grand jury and then eventually a trial. Um, and the outcome of that trial has Kermit Gosnell spending three life terms in Huntington Prison in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, so I didn't know about the op opioids, which which is new information to me that that's what he was doing, and that they they sort of caught him with uh, with the bodies and the like due to the opioids situation. And in your book uh, called Gosnell, the Untold Story of America's Most Prolific Serial Killer, and you know the word serial killer is so appropriate when you yes. when you look at the numbers did they ever come up with a number of 
babies killed? No, they didn't. But they said, so two, there's two interesting voices on this. One is from Terry Morn, ABC News, by the way, veteran journalist Terry Morn, who said, you know, it, it's very likely this is America's biggest serial killer. And also the grand jury. So the grand jury sat for almost a year, went through all this awful, awful evidence. And they came up with the idea and they said, for sure, he killed hundreds, probably thousands in the in this gruesome way that he did. Um, and they couldn't convict him for thousands. Um, and I think Philadelphia wouldn't have liked to have gotten those stats on their crime statistics that would have put him as crime capital of, of America and they won't want that. But um, I think there's, the, no one disputes that because of the fact that he, this was his modus operandi, to deliver babies alive. This is what he did. He filled the women up with Cytotec, which made them dilate. The, the babies fell out alive and then he would cut their necks with scissors. And when he wasn't there, he trained his untrained staff to do the same. So it was, an, it was operating on an industrial scale and people all over the country knew about him. They flew in from all over the country um, to get these very, very late term abortions. And it kind of highlights also, I mean, you know, the, the jury, by the way, were questioned whether or not some of these women should have been uh, convicted because they were the women turning up, you know, nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant um, and having it done and but done by this guy and paying for it. So, you know, it's it, the story is, is extraordinary. And I think, you know, what we do in this podcast, so we've created this podcast, which people can find by going to SerialKillerPod.com, SerialKillerPod.com. And we're climbing up the charts, by the way, worldwide. We're like at number 40 of true crime podcasts right now. We tell this story, as you say, like you and you know everything about this case and you didn't know about the drug piece. And it's really fascinating because the first episode of the of the podcast goes into that whole issue of how did they find this guy? You know, how did they find this guy, by the way, who was operating in plain sight? And they found him because of this drug operation. So Jim Wood, Detective Jim Wood, who's an undercover narcotics officer for the DA's office in, in Philadelphia, you know, He's going around, he's following these drug dealers, he's turning the drug dealers, he's saying, you know, if you don't tell me who you're getting the drugs off, I'm going to send you to prison right now. People then decide that they will cooperate. And so eventually, and we have it on tape, and you hear it when you hear the podcast, <clears throat> we have it on tape when he's talking to this one drug dealer and he says, well, where are you getting the drugs from? And, uh, and this one drug dealer says, it's a woman, and she says, Gosnell. And you hear the, you hear the detective saying, did you say Darnell? And then, you know, and he says it like that. And she says, no, Gosnell. And then she goes, G-O-S-N-E-L-L. -L. And like, I, you know, it's chilling to hear that. And you realize that that's the moment. That's the moment that changed everything when they got the name. Then they raided the clinic and, and, and everything blew up after that. That's amazing. I can't wait for the podcast. And, and so you said uh, SerialKillerPod.com, correct? Yeah. If you go there right now, you're going to get the first two episodes. The next episode's going to drop on Thursday. There's six episodes in total. And it's just a fascinating. And by the way, a lot of people would find it really fascinating that we've interviewed Kermit Gosnell in prison for hundreds of hours. So we have his voice, you know, interspersed through all of these interviews that we do with people. And, you know, the music is very chilling and all of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's very dramatic to listen to it and to listen to him denying everything and with his really creepy voice, with his really weirdly creepy voice and his weirdly creepy excuses for what he did. Like I said in the beginning, you've done a lot of things. You you have a book. There was a movie about this case and uh, that you were involved in, obviously. And 
and uh, now the podcast, which again, I can't wait. I'm actually going to be uh, doing some driving very shortly. Oh, so good. now I now I know what I'm going to be listening to because uh, this is really interesting. Thank you. Please send. Yeah, let me know. Let me know because I literally did this with somebody yesterday. I, I I talked to a friend of mine and he was down um, way down in San Diego and he had to go to Newport Beach and I said I said you, this is what you need to do and then he texted me immediately afterwards said oh my god I didn't realize it was quite this good so please do listen to the first episode if you enjoy that you're going to really enjoy the subsequent episodes. Oh, I'm certain. I'm certain because already within literally within two three minutes of this interview I learned something about the case. Did he? You know, obviously, people are going to want to listen to the podcast, the whole series. Uh, did he indicate, or was there any ever ever any indication as to why he was delivering them alive and doing what he did, as opposed to not that it, my, from my opinion, would make any difference. I, I agree, say, but why yes. he wasn't doing it in utero like a normal in a sense, abortion. Was there any reason? So a couple of things. So he claims to be an OBGYN and he's not. So he's not a trained OBGYN. And those second and third trimester abortions are quite technical and they're fraught with difficulty. Um, and done incorrectly, you can perforate the uterus and you can leave a woman in an awful state and you could end up exposing yourself to litigation. And that had happened to him a number of times. So what was much, much easier and safer from his point of view was to deliver these babies alive it was fast, it was cheap, um, and it, and from his point of view, it was safer, um, and safer for the woman. Obviously, a complete disaster for the child. And we have in the case, and we have that, we, one of the things we did was during the trial, because they didn't allow tape recorders in there, they didn't allow anyone to film, we got actors to reenact scenes from the trial, and we put that into the podcast. So people can be brought into the courtroom and have a sense of what it was like to be in there, and particularly to hear these expert witnesses, like the neonatologist who was asked to describe how would a baby feel if their necks was cut, it was cut by scissors. And it was a couple of really grim, grim things he told, which was one, that it, the baby would, ex, would experience extreme pain, but that secondly, uh, it was pr pretty much in the main unlikely that they would die immediately. Yeah, wow. It, it, it's just chilling that, that essentially, you know, he's, on, he's obviously serving life in prison, multiple life sentences for this. And uh, it, it's sickening. It's it's horrible, but in reality, the world we live in, at least in some states now, it's going to be the case where it's still legal. He could do all of that in utero, and according to some, it's it's a great constitutional freedom. Yeah. And even though nothing really changes, other than that, the baby is outside of the mother. Correct. A few inches. And you, and that's a great point you make. And it's really worth, you know, because I think a lot of people, probably your listeners, who I imagine are people like ourselves, you know, they're in arguments with people right now. And like one of the things they should listen to this podcast, they should also, I would suggest, get young people that they know. So young people listen to these podcasts a lot, these true crime podcasts. They listened to NPR had one called Serial, which was listened to 450 million people listen to it around the world. So, so young people are very open to this genre. So get them, get them to share it. Uh, SerialKillerPod.com. But what you bring up there is really important for people to know that the laws in the United States of America can only be compared to the worst places on the planet Earth, North Korea, Pakistan, China. 
uh, actually, funny enough, also Canada. But, you know, in this country, it is legal, completely, perfectly legal to abort a baby up to nine months in many, many places. And in the places, by the way, with the largest populations. So in places like California, New York, New Jersey um, and other places, not just not just there. Uh, Colorado has the most extraordinary laws uh, and they've just recently even further liberalized them. And I just think, in a way, the way they do this, they do it somehow in secret. I think if you talk to people in Colorado, if you talk to people in New York, if you talk to people in California, I would say most of them would say to you, you cannot have an abortion at nine months. And the truth is that you can, and people do. Um, and I think that's one of the things that comes up in this in this um, podcast of ours, um, SerialKillerPod.com. You can hear the people being spoken to in the courtroom. And as I said, you have these actual you know legal abortion doctors two of them who gave evidence one of whom was asked you know by way of making sure that you're really qualified to give evidence could you tell us in your career how many abortions have you performed and the answer received a gasp from the jury the answer was forty thousand. and when we made the movie and reenacted that scene we changed the number we changed it to thirty thousand because we thought it would we thought it would ruin people's enjoyment of the movie because they, they wouldn't believe it. They'd say, oh, this is nonsense. This isn't true. So it is true. That's what the person under oath, under pain of perjury said in a court of law, 40,000. It gives you a sense of the scale of, of the thing, the, how, how big this was, how lucrative this was. I think a lot of doctors who choose to be in the abortion industry do it for the money. You know, it's, it's, they, it, they get very wealthy doing it. Um, and as I said, they do it, they do it up to, to nine months in many, many places for any reason. Um, and that's, you know, the good thing about Roe, the good thing about what happened in the Supreme Court is now people to decide. But what they really need in order to decide is more facts. They need to know the facts, know what you're arguing about, and don't let people tell you things that aren't true. You know, don't let people tell you that there are very, 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 very few second and third trimesters. That is, this is complete nonsense. Even according to people who are pro-abortion, there are tens and tens and tens of thousands of those late-term abortions. That's nothing small. That's huge. And that's according to pro-abortion people who are giving the numbers. And always remember when people tell you numbers of abortions in America, it's an estimate. They are not required to report the numbers. They're not required. They are some places. By the way, they're required to give the numbers in Pennsylvania. Kermit Gosnell did not give the numbers for 40 years and nobody knocked on the door to ask him. Wow. It's it's amazing. It's hard to even imagine thinking about the fact that a guy is in prison for life for snipping the throat, the neck of a baby. But if he, again, if he had reached the scissors inside the mother and done it inside, people on on one side would be you know, jumping for joy and say totally. that it's constitutional. Uh, uh, Kirsten, Kirsten Powers, who I don't agree with on a lot of things, said of that ex- of that exact scenario that you're talking about, the inside versus the outside, and just a couple of inches in the difference. She said it's morally irreconcilable that one is legal and one is not. It's morally irreconcilable. There's no difference. You know, there's no difference. The baby is fully alive. Um, and functioning and with fingers and toes. And it's amazing how far back in a pregnancy the, the, the baby is so recognizable and so and the humanity is so recognizable. 
Um, unfortunately, I have seen all the photographs that came out of that uh, clinic, and it's very, very chilling. Um, who and many of those bodies, by the way, were identified and told, you know, that those babies were legally aborted, and it's 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 really shocking, and it's the it's the shocking truth about abortion in America that more people need to know about. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking anyone listening who might be on the fence on the abortion issue uh, needs to really take a long, hard look at thinking about when your child or grandchild or whatever, or your niece or nephew was first born, right? They're tiny. They're very tiny. And imagine this happening to them either outside, right, you know, right after they were born or just before they were born. You know, this is a, a, human being that we've all held most people have held a newborn baby whether it was our own or someone else's uh, that we were close to and that's what is happening that is uh, that is really really insane um but you said that you were able to speak to him um and and he's denying it what what is he is he denying that the bodies were there what what is he denying you know he Funny, he talks an awful lot around the issue. He likes to talk a lot. He's a narcissist. He likes to talk about music. He likes to talk about the poetry class he's attending in in the prison. And he's, you know, he he does a thing where if you ask him anything technical about, you know, about what was going on, he said, well, you know, you really wouldn't understand, you know, because, you know, you're not a scientist. Like, you really wouldn't understand. You're not a doctor. You know, you you really wouldn't understand this. You know, he, he brushes it off. He doesn't get specific. I mean, and once you ask him very direct questions, like, you know, for example, he had trained all the staff to manipulate the ultrasound when they were working out the gestational age of the babies. He made them pull the, the, the ultrasound away from the, ba- from the mother's belly, basically. And of course, the baby then gets smaller because the law in Pennsylvania was 24 weeks. And by the way, 24 weeks, just think about that, six months, totally legally uh, aborting a baby at six months. And we've all seen what a six-month pregnant woman looks like. That's, that's nothing small there. Um, and so I asked him about that. I asked him about, you know, you move that trans, you know, why did you move that? Why did you get them to move that? And he just draw. what he does is he moves from being like very, very articulate and, you know, kind of talking all the time. And he'll drop his head, his voice changes and he'll say, oh, oh, you know about that. And, you know, I can't really explain this to you because you're not a scientist. I can't, you know, I don't expect, expect me to explain this to me, to you because you're not a doctor. And that's kind of how he brushes over it, you know. Um, but he, by the way, is completely convinced that he's going to be vindicated, that he's going to be let out of prison. And by the way, with the laws that they're enacting in places like Colorado, it, it's, it's slightly worrying where they're, where they're basically saying yes, that a baby. And, you know, when you think about also, they talked about in this court case, they talked about comfort care. And they talked about, you know, they were asked, the legal abortion doctors were asked, well, what would happen if a baby was born alive? And they said, well, it never happens or whatever. Well, what, what if, if it happened, if a, if a baby was born alive, what, what would happen? And the doctor said, Karen Fuseline said, well, you know, comfort care, you know, you'd want to give comfort care at least. And they were like, what is that? What is comfort care? And the day that this was, this testimony was happening, there were a few journalists in the courtroom. Most of the time, the journalists didn't cover this. There was a couple of journalists there. And she said, well, you know, as a human being, you, you'd want to keep it warm. Eventually it'll pass. In other words, neglect the baby to death. You know, don't do what, what you should do when a vulnerable person is struggling for life. And that is resuscitate and aid in every possible way in a in a medical facility to to bring that child to life no put it to, put it to the side 
just keep it warm. And of course, they didn't even get that. In, in, and so this comfort care is legal and was also described by Governor Northam. We heard him describe that and people were like, they were aghast. And he casually described it on a radio interview so that people now know that that's also possible. So it's not just abortion up to nine months, that they will also deliver a baby alive and just let it, let it die if it didn't turn out the way maybe people wanted it to turn out. And I've heard this stuff from people who got, um, I know a woman, a woman who got a diagnosis, her baby was born with Down syndrome and, and she was told, you know, we, we could just leave it in a room, you know, we could just leave it and it'll, you know, it'll, you know, in other words, starve it and dehydrate it to death. So, you know, it is, it's kind of demonic, really, what people are capable of. Um, it really is. And I think one of, the, as I said, one of the good things about the Roe v. Wade decision is that now people are going to be engaged in, in a conversation about this. And I think people should be armed with information. And I would highly suggest people listen to our podcast, six episodes. If you're going on a commute, it's about an, each episode is like about an hour long. It is fascinating. And the cops at the center of this trial, they're just fabulous people. They are really, really, they would give, they would renew your faith in humanity. Jim Wood was an undercover, you know, drug cop, but he went after uh, Gosnell to find out who had killed Karnamaya Monger, this Bhutanese refugee who had come to America after 20 years in a refugee camp. Four months later, she was dead because of Gosnell. And no one in Pennsylvania cared until Jim Wood cared. And because of him, Gosnell was tried for her death. So you definitely see why the left has ignored this by and large, because there, there is it's a hard explanation for them as we've been talking to explain why this guy's in jail and it's so horrific what he did, but it's essentially happening everywhere. And as you mentioned about Northam, Governor Northam in Virginia at the time who, who talked about it, we know that the Born Alive Act uh, that was, was voted against by almost every single Democrat uh, we know that Barack Obama refused to even vote on a Born Alive Act when he was in Illinois. And, you know, I have said this is that I believe that, especially now after this Supreme Court ruling, that states that are going to legalize abortion, like they, they are going to, California, Illinois, and, and a number of others, they are not going to stop there. They are going to allow what Gosnell did as a standard. That's what I believe. I absolutely believe it. And if I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And I actually, and it's, yeah, you're totally, you're totally right. And, and it's weird. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's like, there has been some kind of transition because back in the Bill Clinton days, when there was safe, legal and rare, you know, everyone kind of nodded their heads and went along with that. And that's not at all the rhetoric now coming from the pro-abortion side. And you see these young people really chilling. I find it really chilling to see these very young people, super, super hard hearted, like walking along with these bloodstains that they've created on themselves. And then the, uh, particularly a bunch of girls who were walking with these little baby dolls and they were swinging them like really aggressively, violently swinging them. Like, this is what we, you know, and so, you know, with no excuse, none of this rare anymore. They're not doing any of that rare anymore. Anytime, anywhere, at any, you know, whatever stage, you know, um, is what they're, that's what they want. And so we need to bring that story to them. I think they, that story needs to be front and center of what it is exactly that you're aborting. And I think there's a lot of work to be done. And that's why we decided, I mean, it's, it might seem weird to people listening. You know, we have made a movie. 
Um, we wrote a book about this. We even had a play in New York because there was a, a, an abortion comedy recently in New York. And we thought, you know what? We should have a play in New York and just have reenactments from the trial of Kermit Gosnell. At least we should have the truth because the comedy wasn't very truthful at all. Didn't deal with comedy, didn't deal with abortion at all. Talks about everything except for abortion. So, you know, this is a great time actually to get this kind of information out. And the one thing about a podcast is it's free. It's free and it's everywhere um, and anybody can access it. So, and it'll be there forever. And I think it, it was, we worked on this for a year. Um, it's a lot of, as you can imagine, with all these interviews of people in Philadelphia with Kermit Gosnell in prison, that you know, putting it all together and all of that took a long time, but really, really worthwhile because uh, this is an amazingly important moment in history. And people, we've noticed people exposed to this story, people who saw the movie, uh, people who read the book have changed their mind, like have just changed their mind on abortion because um, I think it was Stalin that said, you know, a million, you know, a million people something, but the death of one is, can break your heart. So, you know, one, and so at the center of this story is the death of baby boy A who died and shared a birthday with my own father, July 12th. And his, his life and death were witnessed by quite a number of people who took photographs and those photographs became central in, in the trial. And, I think his life is very consequential and I think his life has mattered enormously and lots of people have been influenced by it. Even a young girl who, who wrote to us, I mean, we get these amazing letters, a young girl who tattooed on her, on her wrist the letter A so that she would remember him in her prayers every day for the rest of her life. And I think she's not the only one. I've had people send poetry to me about him. So, you know, you could live a very long life and never do anything consequential. And this little boy, you know, lived a very, very short life but has meant yes changed has changed the whole world. We know that there are babies alive today because of him. So you know this is this is the power of 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 this story. Yeah, everyone needs to listen. As I said, I'm going to be driving here in a little bit, and I know what I'm going to be listening to, and I think it's important to hear this. Even if you're strongly pro-life, it's good to to gather more information. Yes, in order to share with people who might you know, be on the other side and you want to, you know, defend our side. I think it's extremely important. And get people. And when you listen, please leave a rating, please leave a comment. It's quite, some of these um, podcast platforms are a little hard to navigate, but find the nearest 12 year old and help guests say to them, I need to write a review here. I need to leave a rating. Please help me. These young ones are very good at navigating the telephones, but uh, that would be really helpful to us because the further up the charts we go, the more people will listen. Yes, absolutely. And I'm very familiar with with the, all of this. And, and yes, please leave a rating, a five-star rating, write a comment, share it with one other person, right? Yes. I mean, it's it's so simple to mention it to your spouse or your, yeah. your son or daughter or a friend or something and just have them download it right there. Get on it right there while you're talking. So you could text to somebody right now on your phone. You could send them a text, serialkillerpod.com and say to them, just listen to the first episode. All they've got to do is click on it and then they'll, you know, it'll bring them through. So um, it's probably the easiest way to do it. And you know what, for those of you who don't know, you can listen to podcasts in the car and it's so handy. And it's kind of like, it's just a great way because it's like really high quality audio and it pretty much is the, the length of most commutes. It is. And that's why I say it's so perfect to listen. I listen to all sorts of podcasts as well as mine and making mine. Yes. And, and we want to, uh, you know, it, it's such a great and comfortable, you can pause it if you needed to yeah. and the like, you can stop it if you get to your destination and you need to listen to the rest of it. It's so very, very convenient. Yeah. Very user-friendly. 
Yeah. So, hey, for the last uh, couple, just a couple minutes, you and your husband are, are involved in all this and involved in a lot of things. And and I do see that you're doing some other work as far as movies on and in, 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 <laughs> yes, films on Hunter Biden and the FBI. Those are very intriguing to me as well. Uh, tell us real quickly about those. Well, we we have we've made a movie. We shot a movie in Serbia back in November with Lawrence Fox, with Gina Carano, very famous Gina Carano from The Mandalorian, um, and it's and it directed by Robert Davi, the very the very well known Robert Davi, who 007, you know, fantastic Bond villain, etc. Um, and it's telling the truth about the Biden family, about the Biden family corruption, about what Hunter Biden has done with having these deals in Ukraine, in China, and Russia. Um, and it's, but it's very entertaining also. I mean, uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of beautiful women in it uh, and it's a lot of people taking drugs, a lot of drinking going on, but it's, um, it's a very serious movie. Irish people can't make jokes about people's alcohol issues. Um, but what, and we're not within terms of Hunter Biden, but what we are saying is here's a guy who's seriously addicted, who, according to his own book, according to his own book, um, he, he smoked crack cocaine like every half hour. He didn't sleep for weeks on end. And you're meant to believe that an energy company in the Ukraine called Burisma would give that man, that addicted man, $83,000 a month for five years. And you know, people are not stupid. I don't know. I don't know when the last time somebody handed you $83,000 and you didn't, you know, people do not hand you lumps of money without an expectation of getting something. And I think they kept on giving him the $83,000 because they were getting something. They were getting value for money. And the mayor of Moscow's wife, three and a half million dollars, she was getting something for that. Um, and it certainly wasn't anything skill wise from Hunter Biden who probably at that time couldn't even put a sentence together. He was so drugged up. He would sit at the, the pool at the Chateau Marmont and put up a bill of $600. The barman, and not buy anyone a drink, the barman would look at him and think, oh my God, how is this guy still sitting on a chair even? So this is, this is who was getting all this money. He was getting lumps of money from the Chinese, huge amounts of money from the Chinese, including a, a diamond ring at one point. They were getting something. None of these people are stupid. People do not hand out lumps of money to random strangers. Um, or to unskilled people. And, you know, Hunter Biden may be well an artist, you know, maybe, I don't know what your taste in art is, but we know for sure he wouldn't have been given any value to any, um, you know, any board, uh, given the state that he was in. I mean, we're not, no, we're not stupid here. Um, this is a very drug addicted, God help him, it's an awful tragedy. But there he was going around the country, traveling, collecting the, around the world, collecting these huge amounts of money when, Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States and and was in charge of the Ukraine portfolio. You know, it doesn't get more it doesn't get much simpler than that. Absolutely. And I think your point about the fact that these these people paying him are not stupid and they're not just doing it out of maybe some hope beyond hope that they get something. No, they had to have been getting something from him from paying him. They absolutely had to. And now we're we're in the midst of supplying Ukraine with billions of dollars ourselves. There's uh, obviously a lot of concerns about a lot of things going on. And and as usual, this is being brushed aside, even though there's more and more evidence that comes out every day about what he was doing and more importantly, what his relationship with his father and what he was doing. Right? The big and, guy. 
the, the big, big guy. guy. Yeah, the ten percent for the big guy is uh, there. So that's that's very that is great too and really interesting. So you guys. So are that'll doing... be coming out. So that movie will be coming out shortly. Um, watch this space. Keep in touch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how can people connect with you uh, outside of the uh, serialkillerpod.com? Is there a way they can follow? Yeah, this? people can go. So. Thank you very much. Go to the unreportedstorysociety.com, unreportedstorysociety.com. You'll get everything about everything we've ever done and links to some of our documentaries for free there. So it's worth going. Unreportedstorysociety.com. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. This is um, this is really great stuff. This is cutting edge reporting on very cutting edge and important issues that the mainstream Thank media you. is not covering. And uh, this is really great. So I can't wait for the podcast Please download and share the podcast. Five star Serial review. Killer. That's right. Serialkillerpod.com. Thank there we you. Go. Yeah, I'm going to put up again. So, yeah, thank you so much, Anne, for being here. This is really exceptional stuff. And I mean it completely. And great work by you and your husband and everyone else involved. This is very, very important. All the thank work you. that you're doing. Uh, and thank all of you for listening to this episode of Feed Ace Podcast. Please listen to all my episodes on all the different podcast apps on YouTube, on Rumble, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on rightamericamedia.com. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.